0: This week we're recapping a two-year Descent into Avernus campaign. I'm sitting down with the DM as a player in the campaign to talk about tips and tricks, best moments, and what you should absolutely be doing if you're running Descent into Avernus. Welcome to We Speak Common. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the D&D podcast for everyone because here we speak common. This is a show brought to you in partnership with The Dice Dungeon and Describe, our two long-term partners who will provide you with all of the D&D paraphernalia that you need by heading to The Dice Dungeon. That's books, dice and dice tray. Uh, you can use the code we speak common to get 10% off your entire order and the place to go for creative writing if you are not very good at describing things. It's odd to think, but a place called Describe is very good at it. DSCRYB.com is the website. You can subscribe to get access to over nearly 4,000 scenes now. And if you use the code COMMON on checkout, you get 10% off every month for the first two years. And for the month of October, this show is also brought to you by the DD Dark Fantasy loners which is a dwarven dark fantasy that is full of fun and fighting i'll be talking a little bit about that at some point during the show and telling you all about the uh, the adventures that you can have in uh, in reading or listening to loners more on that later uh, this week i am joined by the one and only mr james hello james hello
1: how are you my friend pretty good you know here with that that post campaign sadness.
0: Ah, oh, yes, yes, indeed. I know it all too well, I'm afraid. How how long has it been since we had our our final session of descent? Two weeks. It's. I feel like it's only been one week.
1: Or has it been two?
0: God, that's a bad <laughs> sign. That means it's really setting. <laughs> if we already can't remember. Oh bloody hell! Uh, yeah. um, well, apart from the the post campaign blues how how else are you other
1: than that pretty good you know i've got got my my nice new D book yes um and your nice new nice. D dice yes i, I wasn't sure yes. if it was the right moment to mention that but, and you can but talk yes. about them i know how much you love um, them my, my plain shard abyss dice you know just <laughs> frequently doing a golem and like holding them up to the light because mm. the light looks pretty in them they yes. are very gorgeous yeah we'll we'll talk about those properly later
0: i'm so glad you you like them um i think my plain shard set are my current favorite set too so well, i can understand what why
1: killing you later with in our, our game tonight oh god don't say that jesus <laughs> it's
0: gonna be a bit rough if i have to die and end a campaign within the space of potentially one week yeah. i think it's been two i think it has been two um oh. No, it's been one. No, it has been one because last week I recorded with Wesley and it was the day after, so it has only been one week. Yeah. Crazy. Although we're recording this uh, a week before it's going to go out because I'm a little bit ahead with my schedule. Yeah. Because I've got some work coming up that I need uh, need a break for. So when this goes out, it will have been two weeks. So technically, we're both right. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. And it is also... As we are speaking, the week of D&D Celebration. So happy D&D Celebration weekend, my friend.
1: Woohoo! Have you watched any of the live streams? Uh, no, because no. I've been chained to my desk at work. Yeah, yeah me too. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's the problem with time zone differences. However, some um, friends of the show have been actually involved with dnd celebration so uh noah who's been on before and who will probably be on the show again pretty soon and um the guys that split the party who i guested on this their twitch stream recently they both had a part in dnd celebration it seems they've had a very good time with it so it's always good to see people we know succeeding and that is
1: that is super cool That yeah. is really cool i'm but not jealous we're almost at all. There. Almost. yeah yeah
0: yeah <laughs> i don't i won't i won't feel it until i get there but who knows <laughs> Noah actually was on uh, Dragon Talk last week, uh, like a few days ago as well. Yeah. So, yeah. And I was like, oh, I wonder if he did me a solid and mentioned his favourite D&D podcast. <laughs> <laughs> as long as I don't listen to the interview, in my mind, he did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh. mm. We'll get there. Um, I am going to be chugging water during this episode because I'm not well at all. It's not Rona. It's not. Don't worry. It's all good, but. That's why my voice is a little bit croaky. So if you hear me drinking, I, I do apologise. You gotta do what you gotta do, you know. Yeah. So we have finished uh probably one of our longest
1: campaigns now. Oh, well, I mean, it's it's only like what, a couple of a couple of months longer than Waterdeep. And that's just because we couldn't play it as often. <laughs> that's true. That is true. So we yeah.
0: started playing uh dragon uh, not dragon heist um descent into avernus in 2019 when it came out yeah. and now two weeks ago as of the point that people are listening to this we've we've finished it we've done we've dusted we've closed the book literally it
1: is it is over we have we have finished that campaign yeah it, it went back on my shelf with a hint of sadness because like oh it's not going to come off again for a I don't know how long, but now it's out one more time for ju- just in case. Mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I felt that way
0: with Waterdeep when I put it back on the shelf. I was like, oh, I, next week I'm going to take Tomb of Annihilation off the shelf instead. It's going to be weird. Um, yeah. So we're going to talk about it. We're going to go through our experiences. We're going to do a rundown of you know what you learned, what I experienced as the player, because you, you were DMing this yeah. one and give as many hints and tips and tricks as we can. Now the last time we did this we talked for like an hour and a half. So we're going to try and be good and keep it to as close to an hour as possible. Yeah. But who knows it might be. I mean if you're listening to this and you've just looked at the time of the podcast and it's you know 2 hours long then forgive me. We we got carried away. <laughs> but if it is around about an hour then we did a good job. Um but it yep. is a long campaign and there is a lot to talk about. So let's just jump right in obviously if you are a player who is going to be playing in descent this is probably not the podcast for you this episode go and listen to one of our other episodes enjoy that instead but if you are going to be running descent to avernus or maybe you are a dm who hasn't picked it up yet and you're thinking about it and you want to hear some of the the strifes and the troubles that james had as a dm and some of the experiences i had as a player then then this is definitely the episode for you okay descent to avernus Elterell, the village, the town, c- oh,
1: it's c- city. city? Is it a city? <laughs> it's Yeah, it's literally the, the capital city of Elterell. Excuse my hubris,
0: I'm so sorry. <laughs> the city of Elterell <laughs> is dragged into Avernus, the first layer of the house, and we've got to go and fucking get it back. We're going straight in. This is going to be a hardcore episode with the swears. Um, so... I want to say before we dive into anything, I remember watching the D celebration, it's like poetry that, for uh, Advernus and yeah. everyone like describing it as Mad Max Fury Road and like, oh, it's the, like, it, it's going to test your characters whether they're good. And I was like, oh, that sounds like fun. Don't know if I'm into it, but I want to play in it. Don't know if it's going to be my thing, but we'll see. And I can say hands down, it has been one of the most fun campaigns I think I have ever played in. I've had an absolute blast. A lot of that is down to you, James, but touched the, the campaign itself is, is a good, one. it is a, is a great one. And I know that Sam having listened into some of our campaigns and we, we actually played the finale episode on live on the, the, we speak common discord server for people to sit in and listen to. Um, and he's gone away and, grabbed it and is now altering it to yeah. run in, in wild mount so that's how that's how good it, we had of a time with this campaign so i would say phenomenal very much enjoyable what are your opinions as
1: someone who ran it i th- I think oh, i'd very much agree with uh pretty much everything you said that it has its weaknesses at points mm-hmm. um but you can compensate for those weaknesses um because unfortunately one of the pitfalls i think they fell in with this book was trying to um get replayability in there um, yes and they you know they set out the two different routes and obviously you know i was like that's kind of crap because that means you miss out on all of this cool stuff so i've obviously squished and yeah so it.
0: you so in the book because i i've not actually flipped through the covers obviously while i was while i was being a player so I i've not had a chance to Properly dive into it, but I've only looked to like yeah. the war machines and the items and stuff. You have two potential like pathways you can follow in the story that lead you through different locations
1: and events. Is that right? Yeah, that they're they're quite well themed as well. So you've got the path of demons, um, which is what would eventually get you to Castici. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the Path of Devils, which then eventually takes you to Bell's Forge, Tiamat, um, and then to a wrecked flying fortress, which you guys never did. Um, okay. But yeah. Those so are, those are the two paths.
0: That's really interesting because Descent came out after Dragon Heist and Dungeon the Mad Mage. And obviously, Dungeon of the Mad Mage is a mega dungeon. Put that aside. Yeah. Waterdeep dragon heist was the same in many respects that it was written for replayability and obviously as we know if you've listened to us break down our time at dragon heist i took the four versions as it were the four seasons and villains and just mashed them together into one big mega campaign Uh, and it was it was all the better for it um and i don't see them doing that so much with their adventures now which i think is probably a good thing
1: I think it's definitely a good thing because if we're being realistic, the only people that are going to replay these adventures most of the time are going to be DMs. Yeah. And as a DM, you don't really need that replayability because your different groups of players provide that for you.
0: Yeah, um, absolutely. And you kind of, I find that if you've run a campaign once, running it the second time gives you a lot of confidence in knowing what you're doing. Like I, I prep yeah. like and rewrite my campaigns, and so I have a lot of that confidence going in anyway. But even so, if I've run it once before, I've got even more confidence doing it a second time. So yeah, I think it's a good thing that they've stepped away from that a bit.
1: Yeah, well, hopefully, so <laughs> <laughs> have.
0: Yeah, I mean, I haven't, I haven't seen any of it in rhyme, but I haven't looked massively at rhyme yet. Although I need to. Um, and I mean, I literally got beyond which like today. Um. Yeah. So. Who who knows? <laughs> Although Wildbeast Witchlight, I think, is meant to be more sandboxy, like uh, Curse of Strahd. So, I would I would yes. consider that to have less of those replayable um, roots in it. Yeah. Shall we go through the book? Uh, not chapter by chapter, but like story arc by story arc. So let's start with the stuff in Baldur's Gate.
1: Yeah, Ooh. yeah. So, Baldur's Gate that's your yeah, your favorite place, place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say, yeah yeah it's it's a wonderful
0: place i um, um d- tell me before you jump in do they give you do you feel like if you just wanted to get this book to run Baldur's gate as a city this
1: book is valuable in that yes i mean you, you get literally an entire map of the city there's an entire section of the book which is the Baldur's gate gazetteer mm-hmm. however you say that word which, you know, explains history, what it's like today, the government, economy and trade, religion, different dangers, different landmarks, the different bits of the city, um, and then even different bits just outside of the city. Um, it it pretty much encapsulates, I think anyway, um,
0: everything you need to know about Baldur's Gate. Mm. And that's exactly what they did with Waterdeep Dragon Heist. I think that's perfect. And I want to see much more of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: which I mean, if they want me think, to
0: buy every single adventure, oh, then they they just need to do that and I would.
1: Yeah. I mean that's a good way of doing them as well, because it does introduce more more places for people to play in. Mm. Um like um like tomb is basically here's cholt yes. as well. Yes. Um and then, icewind Dale gives you with, icewind Dale. Yeah, and they they can do that with well, whatever area they want, really.
0: Which is, I think, why I'm Disappointed that they haven't done that with what on the Witchlight and the Feywild, um, you know, and I know that the Feywild is a whole plane, but
1: you could still yeah. put in something, you know, you know. And I might not have looked at it yet, um, you know, and obviously I've been hearing about how apparently the adventure is amazingly well written and stuff, but mm. I think I, d- I did look at the contents and was was a little disappointed, mm. um, that we didn't get that lore and stuff in there, but and again, we are lore goblins
0: we are little goblins
1: it's true (laughs) this is what we look for
0: um okay so i really enjoyed the boulder's gate stuff i actually want to so my my character and i've talked about Claf before but he is intrinsically connected to boulder's gate i specifically said to you like here's the idea i've got can we do something like this and you were you you ran with it and it was great and it's it's, he's become my favorite character um (laughs) even though he's a warlock paladin and not a wizard i know sacrilegious but what what can i say he's grown on me so much um but i really enjoyed the boulders gay stuff to the point where with us finishing the campaign class finished at level 15 and i want to take him to 20 i want to i want to you know have the full run of it with him i want to do a big arc where he's or at least talk about the time that he spends and put it into his background in the city working and doing things. So that's how much of an impact I think it had on me as a player. And it's it's one of those places that feels very different to like we joke that 5e is not the Forgotten Realms. It's the Sword Coast and it very much does feel that way. But Boulders Gate feels like a unique place against places like yeah. Waterdeep and Neverwinter. So, um I would absolutely encourage people to pick up the book and use it to flesh out the city if you're going to run it because it's it's such an interesting like it's it's like Gotham, it's like the Gotham of the Sword Coast.
1: Yeah. Um and the interesting thing about that is you guys never actually went to the the, the super dodgy part of Baldur's mm. Gate. Um and there was an opportunity for you guys to go there when we did that little side quest, um, mm-hmm. with um the mind flows of the little party because there's like this underground sort of thieves den sort of area in the sewers. Um, oh my which god! Was we gonna didn't be go anywhere guys.
0: near that.
1: No, that that was one of your possible ways to get into the upper city. But you guys just you guys just fucking blagged your way up there. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. Oh. That's cool. Okay. I so were there any other things that we
1: we didn't experience oh, I, uh, there, there are so many different landmarks and buildings in the back i'd mm-hmm. i'd have struggled to be able to have you experience everything
2: mm-hmm.
1: um yeah but i think i think we did get like the, the key bits in there you know you've got the um the rich upper city and how that's a lot a lot nicer place and then the um the lower city which is obviously a lot more sort of lower class and a lot more crime-ridden. But then the other thing I suppose you guys didn't experience much was the area immediately just outside of that. Mm. And that's sort of like the separate little farming villages and places we never really went to.
0: Yeah. I think that, like, with Waterdeep, that campaign is set in the city, so you get to... Like, you never leave, or you can, but you, you don't have to. And so you get to yeah. experience a lot of the city uh, in, in many different ways. So yeah. it, that's that's it's easy to like show off the city as the setting, and whereas this with Descent it's like you're only there for I think we were there for like five six sessions, and then we went to Candlekeep, and even then, you know those sessions were spent like in the Dungeon of the Dead three and yeah. going to to see people and do things. It wasn't like
1: off you go explore, have a look round. Um, yeah, I mean. I suppose the the other problem with the the Baldur's Gate start is it is um or fortunately is a bit disconnected from the rest of the adventure. Mm. Um, I don't think the the base motivations are usually there for players to go out and actually you know go to hell. <laughs> um yeah. yeah yeah, yeah, which yeah.
0: Just um, thinking about like when have I ever wanted to do that in D anD D without having the the urge? But then I suppose that's what adventure is, isn't, isn't it? It's it's a call to go and do something you wouldn't normally
1: do. Yeah, but we obviously we were quite good because i made sure it was linked into your guys' backstories. So you know, where's where's these character Drell? He was all the Raven God's Butler who mm. was in Eltrell when it went missing, and he's desperate to go and find him again because he owes him a great deal. Um, Aruvian is from there um
2: so Probably, right. they want
1: to go and sort it out yeah and then your character um we had the the, the sickness with your grandmother and stuff mm. and the idea that oh no Baldur's gate's about to be pulled down as well we'd better go and sort this out mm. um and so that think- was something you added wasn't it Baldur's gate being affected um i think it sort of it hints at not hints um it implies. starts to allude, allude to that being the case but the idea being you kind of stop it when you deal with Philamra, uh, right. the fanfampers and obviously because you deal with that then there's there's not much motivation for then going on if you don't care about mm. Um Oh, then the other thing, the other way we convinced Claire to go was everybody who signed the, um, the election thing um, you thought they'd all signed their souls away. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And they hadn't Yeah, they hadn't.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, that's good. Um I think oh. from a player experience that that those first five maybe four sessions if if I'm just counting just the city were a lot of fun yeah. in in finding our feet as these new characters and building the connections between the party because you you it's a very human Norman normal experience to be in a city surrounded by people so and and the the section in the dungeon of the dead three was a lot of fun i really yeah. enjoyed that dungeon i think that there are two dungeons is that and there's the one under the bathhouse
1: or is um, that the same dungeon so the the one under the bathhouse is the dungeon of the dead three, and then there's underneath van famper villa as well yes yeah
0: both of those um, are a lot of
1: fun what i will say is it is incredibly deadly
0: yeah okay so let's let's talk um, about tips then for for this this opening section yeah tips um it's
1: deadly especially for free players um yeah there's there's literally i think it's in the dungeon of the dead free there's a room where if you walk past it and the witch whatever in there notices you she will turn around and just straight up fireball the party when that I don't think you're even level. Maybe you're like level three at that point. Yeah, I think so. And which is which die. is
0: awful. Oh my god! I yeah. haven't even got counter spell.
1: Wait, level um, three? No,
0: yeah, level five is only good counter spell.
1: Yeah, there are, there are some quite tough enemies for lower level parties. Um, I do remember us really struggling at the start,
0: and like I remember the yeah. opening fight with the pirate bandits in the bar. Um. <laughs>
1: nearly killing us yes that is um i think that's another bit that's not very well written okay um how would you change it just because well for starters i wouldn't have it so so you're met with a a pirate captain and seven crew yeah it's Um, a bit rough it's a bit rough in a small enclosed (laughs) place as well you can't run away yeah, and it's literally a bit kind of a case of if you don't succeed, the only way to solve that encounter, pretty much, as written, is combat, because otherwise you need something stupid like 10,000 gold to pay them off. Mm, um, which you wouldn't have and, at, like, level whatever, 2, 1. Yeah, and you kind of need the information from Torina there to be able to carry on and find the dead free. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's uh, a bit you might want to finagle around a bit with. But apart from that, you're happy with the opening. Yeah, I mean it's it's good fun travelling around uh, Baldur's Gate. I just really like the the two-tiered system with the upper and the lower city and just like the idea that like, you know, the city is just full of corrupt arseholes, it's great.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they that pretty much is how it feels. I mean, until Clath obviously cleans it up and makes it a, a lovely place to live. Um we'll talk about yeah. player uh, uh, player legacies when we get to the end but um yeah. okay let's talk about leaving bouldersgate then um, bef- bef- before we leave oh,
1: what have you got um, i just remembered the poisoning um where you poisoned Amric, uh one of the van famper kids you you like met with him at the oh um, yeah at the tavern um
0: oh, and we put something in
1: his drink didn't we yeah and then you literally came across his body later on um, slumped over at the table after the poison had taken effect. Why um, did
0: we kill him? I can't remember.
1: I can't remember exactly what, but you needed you needed to basically have him out of the way. Oh um, yeah, because it was it was Amric Mortlock. Um, I can't remember the, name of the third Mortlock.
0: I managed to convince to join our side, didn't I?
1: You did. He was the big guy, the dumb one. Yeah, yeah, um, and he kind That's of hated everyone else because they kept calling him dumb and treating him badly um, yeah I, w- I wouldn't do that and yeah and i think the the other thing about that chapter is it really helped me sort of because th- this was the first proper campaign i dm'd mm. um so it really sort of helped me find my feet with sort of the tone of the campaign as well which is yeah. pretty good yeah um, it because- it does fit the rest of the
0: the story tone wise i think because yeah. you're, you're you're like you're put into positions you
1: t- you don't want to be in very quickly, and they question your morals. Yeah, and it it's not just that as well, is it? Constantly, you know, the entire time you guys played through that campaign, I wanted you to feel both influential, but at the same time, like you were ants, just mm. sort of doing your thing in like the big kids playground sort of thing. Mm-hmm um and i think he pulled that off especially when we got like it came into fruition
0: when we got into hell a lot more but there was definitely a um, a sense of it in in boulder's gate yeah okay Um, so then you go off to candlekeep yes and i have to say from right so from my point of view now i know you know a lot about candlekeep anyway and this was obviously before candlekeep mysteries came out um yeah I think you did a very good job of giving us the a brief but very thorough like a, a nice dip your feet in the in the pool of the Candlekeep experience yeah. without us getting lost in it. Now, if if now that Candlekeep Mistress has come out, you wanted to have a whole arc, like if you were to do a level one to 20 campaign and you wanted to um, bump up the hell section of Descent to be higher level um and do and maybe end with the the fighting of or the fighting or the redemption of zariel at like 18th 20th level you could throw in a bunch of the candlekeep mysteries adventures when the party goes candlekeep and that would be a lot of fun if you were doing a, a, an extended version of the campaign
1: yeah i think mm-hmm. the, the only issue you might come across with that is obviously this idea that eltrell's being slowly pulled down into the sticks so he yeah, kind of keep but- wanting you probably want to get there
0: at that point you don't know where it is do you so uh, i
1: mean yeah at that at that point i um, well at that point you've kind of figured out it's in hell because you've got the, the, the deal cube um, yeah because the reason, to... the reason you go to candlekeep is to get it translated yeah and op- you could oh well opened
0: opened yeah and then and then yeah. effectively read to you if you don't read that infernal um if you yeah. wanted to do that though, you could just manipulate the the timeline a little bit yeah um, like and and not have it be a click a ticking clock so much yeah um and I think I think there's an option there a bit of a bit of do-it-yourself assembly required but definitely a potential for that there um and it's the only yeah. adventure that I know of apart from Candlekeep Mysteries obviously that takes us to Candlekeep and talks about Candlekeep which is a lot of fun
1: yeah I think the the funniest thing I remember about you guys going to Candlekeep is you literally turn around and was like oh how how is it like all organised. And um I literally made it up off the top of my head. But mm-hmm. what I made up was basically what it is like in Candle Keep Mysteries. Even I remember you the names sending I was using.
0: A very excited message when Candlekeep Mysteries came over. Like, I got it all right. And I was like, What? <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, yeah, yeah, I remember that message.
2: Yeah. Cause I know that
0: um there's a DM's DM guild uh, supplement called uh oh what is it called scratch my brain it's elminster's candle keep compendium or companion or something like that and i uh, we, yeah. we actually talked about it on this show a while ago when it came out and that's a very good candle keep centric law centric yeah. book if you want extra and, to go alongside Candlekeep mysteries.
1: yeah i think on that note as well on the note of dm's guild for Baldur's gate there is some really good stuff on there to help you mm. um there's there's literally a bundle for Descent of Avernus with loads of stuff in for you to like add in um or things to change. And... Yeah, definitely. Um what was it called? Like, you, you have Google. a
0: Google thing oh, okay. I am... Um, I Always think that running adventures is like this is why I always take so long to like do my rewrites. Like, I take a good chunk of time to read through the book and rewrite my version of my DM document because by the time yeah. I've done that, other people have released their thoughts as well. And I can look at those and see if people are thinking and feeling the same way I'm feeling. And I can touch base with what I've written and stuff. So it's almost <laughs> beneficial to wait a bit before running an adventure. Like, if I was gonna, if yeah. you're gonna run, which like, if you said, Oh, I really wanna run it, I'd be like, Oh great! Read it three times. Write your notes, but spend your time doing that because then by the time you go to run it, other people
1: will have tested the water for you. Yeah, <laughs> which is always um, helpful. I have found it. Yep, it's go on. the Baldur's Gate descent into a complete DMs bundle, um, and in there there's like extra inven- adventures, extra magic items, weapons. They even enhance and change some of the stat blocks of devils um, mm. to make them a bit more fun to f- fun or just difficult to fight um there's cheat sheets in there there's um basically maps and all sorts in there even at some points and i found this quite helpful um it separates it by chapter and it's like here's the stat blocks you need for this chapter here you go oh so that's you're not nice. flicking around and, and going everywhere um, i so think that's... i
0: grabbed the Icewind dale uh Rhyme of the frost maiden bundle for yeah Running that because that's that's an adventure. I mean, Sam um, wants me to run it for him, but I I know that there's there's someone who uh, in the Patreon that wants me to run it as well, um, and is looking at taking that uh, DM for higher tier and looking at they So that's a potential yeah. that I and and I know that that bundle and I'm pretty sure it's by the same the same team. Yeah, um, it was very very good. So it's always worth checking that, those out.
1: Yeah, that that team are absolutely phenomenal with what they do. Mm. Um, it's great. I'm sure they listen to this podcast every week, James. So I'm sure they'll love those compliments. Yeah.
0: Um, of course, everybody listens to this podcast every single week. Everybody. I mean, you know, it's, it's popular as it gets, Ben. Even the, the queen of the whole of England listens to this podcast because, of course, we are the British representation of D&D. So, yeah. yeah and we, of course, we, we have
1: a direct line to Her Majesty herself. I live in her garden. <laughs> I live in her back garden. Literally, we live in her back garden,
0: James. We're not that yes. far from her garden that's not a joke oh. either we are actually that <laughs> in her <back> yeah. <laughs> um English people understand anyway um, I don't think I have much to say about Canal Keep other than it was no. fun and it's like a nice palate cleanser before you jump into hell because it's so different yeah. from Baldur's Gate um, was there anything it, that you drastically changed for it?
1: Um, not that I remember I think it's literally just a case of you, you going there I think I let you guys do some research and stuff Mm-hmm um but other than that the candle keep stuff i kept pretty much most of the same fantastic
0: okay well then i suppose we should talk about going to hell yes (laughs) so first things first the way we got to hell was that you or is that as written i can't remember now
1: how did you guys get to hell (laughs) we went
0: to a I,
1: and i might be oh, misremembering yes, this yes, there was a floating
0: yes. tower with a ferret wizard
1: yeah that's that's pretty much i did that as written i read that and was like this is cool i like this little fucking it's weasley guy so
0: bananas it's so randomly inserted that i was like like i loved it but i was also like yeah. well, where does
1: this come from like this is fun but where has this come from so yeah, we had to go to a floating he... tower Tra- Trax- Traxagore's tower you yep. got that. You get there on Griffin. Um, yeah. How did there we get you the Griffin? Who Lulu? took us? Um. You got the Griffins from um. What is the name of her? And uh, why did we Savicus. Why did we go there as well? Was it just because he
0: could transport us?
1: Yeah. Basically, when you go to Candlekeep, um, the person you meet there is basically like, oh, I know this guy, and he can get you there. Off you go. <laughs> right. Okay.
0: <laughs> Sweet, because um, I, I know
1: yeah. a guy. Yeah, it literally is. I know a guy. He owes me a favor, um and that person is also looking after an old friend of hers, which is of course you. Like find out Lulu, Lulu. Mm. who is very um, uh, who will talk about because she's very key to the plot.
2: Um, yeah,
0: and I, I, so what I want to say as a player then is, if you are like in a serious game and like it's all dark and like oh no the hells and demons and devils, ugh, evil stuff. And if you read that and think this is silly, keep it in there because even in, and I always use Curse of Strahd as an example, even in the gothic horror adventure of Curse of Strahd, there is humour in there and it's needed. You have to have bits of humour and bits of light throughout as well. And I think that that was a perfect little surprise.
1: Yeah, I think that was that was key across the whole adventure is, on, it was something I kept trying to make sure you got is yes, we had the horrible dark moments where it made us all want to cry, mm. but then literally 20 seconds later, we could all be laughing at, like, fucking Little Jim ripping yeah, little his gym. tooth out or something. Good, <laughs>
0: out, Little Jim. We'll talk about Little Jim, too. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, I think I think that's an important takeaway for anyone running this campaign. I mean, we were very good at having our own humour amongst the group as well. And let's not forget, because yeah. I've talked about this before, but mine and Wesley's character, from the beginning of this campaign, like very much hated each other, like, pure yeah. hate we did not get along and it wasn't until about midway through that things changed for them because of what happened in the story through our choices so we yeah. were having some very we were having heavy sessions but we were still getting laughs and jokes in there even though like yeah. you know two of the three party members didn't like each other and you know it's the hells and it's the devils and they eat people and all the and demons and you know all this kind of stuff so um yeah. Yeah. Keep tracks of going. Um, he's a
1: he's a laugh. Yeah, as well, like, um, you know, he does literally just plan shift everybody in and then he like and just fucking times he he time stops and then mm. fucking goes and hides, wait for his spell slots recharge and then leaves. That's fantastic. That's <laughs> Which is hilarious. I think it's gotta be the most the most wizard thing I've ever seen is yep, yeah, well, I've got to wait for my spell slots to recharge and then I can run away.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, iron hanging about, mate. <laughs> I know how this place works. Um, Well, look, before we talk too much about hell, there are some things that you will need when you are in hell, some very important things. Uh, One of them is the ability to speak and read Infernal. The other is uh, the know-all of how to read through the small print of a contract. And the third thing is some really nice dice. And you've got a perfect set for it.
1: Yes, the the abyss plain shard ones, which I wish I'd had for that final session. Mm. Um, but oh, they they are honestly they are beautiful. For is, is it resin?
0: Yeah, it is resin.
1: Oh yeah, they're resin. They don't and... look
0: like resin, do they? They like no. I, they... I always say so. I have the plain shard shadowfell dice, and I always say that when I look at them. They do not, they look like glass dice and yet they're resin and that's yeah. brilliant because they're as pretty oh. as really, really delicate dice, but they're, they're resin. So I just can just roll them and I'm don't, I do not i do not have to worry
1: about them. Yeah. And, and like, you know, I'm sat here with, you know, metal dice as well, which mm. I have for a long time and I'm like, I can't decide which ones I'd rather use now. Yeah. <laughs> do you find as well oh. that your plain shard dice are
0: much prettier in person than they were on photo? Oh yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, I um, I guarantee that if you are thinking about playing shard dice and you're looking at them on the Dice Dungeon website, they are uh, twenty times better in person than they are on your computer screen. Yeah. In in I can,
1: I can recommend as well with the plain shard ones. Literally, turn on a torch and just put the dice on top of it. It looks great. Oh, nice! <laughs> I, I haven't done that. I'm gonna have to try doing that yeah because it shines um, through yeah it, oh, it looks wow. fantastic and if i could, or it you know what would be really nice and this is like an idea for the people at dice dungeon like a little Ugh. thing with leds on to sit the dice on and display i have
0: said to ben and dave that if they I, I said to them if you can um find like a supplier for or if you can create your own dice display stands I 100 yeah. percent would spend my money on that because I've got some oh. gorgeous dice that I I like I love having my dice dungeon tins because I've, I've got like every bloody version of the tin they've done now because I've been working with them for so long. But um, if I had a a uh, display, I would I would have to hide the tins and have the dice on the display because it'd be gorgeous. Yeah, um, I will I will pass the message on. I'm sure Ben is probably listening. So Ben listens every week. So there you go Ben. Yeah. It's not just me says it. Um yes if please, you want to get yourself <laughs> please do it for me uh, <laughs> if you want to get yourself some plain shard shadow dice, or of course, um Shadow fell dice is the ones I have you have the abyssal um there are I think there's at least one other plain shard set there might be two others I and well, there's, there's quite a few now if you want to go and grab them dice dungeon is the website there is a link in the description below, and of course, it's not just resin dice there's metal, glass, and D books too. You can actually right now it went up um. I think yesterday from when we're recording, so it's been up for a little while now, you can pre-order your copy of the Strixhaven D&D uh, setting guide. So if you want to grab that, it's the limited edition cover, which is gorgeous. Go and have a look. Go and do that. Use We code WESpeak Common for 10% off your entire basket. Uh, the other people we should talk about, if you're going to be running a campaign, uh, now obviously written adventures have all the box text in them for you but if you're going off book and you're adding in your own bits and you're you know reacting to what your players are doing you might need some extra box text and the best place to go for that is to describe ds oh god dyslexia's just kicked in dscryb.com describe they have professional creative writers writing descriptions like box text for any game for places creatures spells and they're working on items now too they add hundreds every week they're at nearly four thousand scenes you can go and reload them for free right now but if you want to get full access it's a subscription program you use the code common for 10% off of your subscription every single month for the first two years that you're subscribed so go and check that out too and of course as I said James this month we've got a brand new partner for the month of October and that is and I'm 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 glad that you're the first guest for this because I know you have a soft space for dwarves in your heart I mean
1: I mean if I could be I would be a dwarf Ben
0: this is you are the you like the tallest person I know that's the, the funniest <laughs> thing you've ever said um, so loners a DD dwarven dark fantasy is a book written by db bray that is available for you to go and read or listen to so i got in contact with or walter uh, walter allen is the guy that contacted me and he is the voice actor i suppose is the correct term who narrates loners on audible and he chucked me a copy for a code to listen to. And I've got to say, it's been a lot of fun. The book itself is about nine and a half hours long. So it's, it's like a perfect length. And it is, oh God, I nearly, I nearly pressed play then. <laughs> that would have been awkward. Uh, it, is, uh, it is a lot of fun. And the, the best way I can describe it is is with the words fun and fighting. So it's about a dwarf called Yari Rockjaw who basically wants the the quiet life. He wants retirement, right? But he needs to do that one more job because retirement is expensive and he's a bounty hunter and he's surrounded by these incredible um i was gonna say like i was gonna say something and i left my brain like the he's surrounded by these incredible characters i was going to describe them as characters but they are characters it doesn't work does it um these incredible characters (laughs) who are like uh dwarfs there's um like a minotaur there's a a massive like ogre troll guy it's it's so cool and uh, if you're listening to it on, on on audible walt has an incredible range for character voices so you get all of these different characters coming through in the narration throughout the um the actual book Um to to sum it up a little bit more uh, i'm having a quick look at the reviews and i cannot see one below five stars so Go and ever check it out. If you wanna, if you're the type of person who likes to read a bit about their books before they purchase them, you can find it on Goodreads to have a little read of what people are saying. For example, Fantasy Book Nerd said that it's irreverent, uh, archaic, and just bloody good fun. So, there you go. What more can we say? Loners is uh a d Dark Dwarven fantasy. And I think if you like dwarves, if you like books and if you like dark adult fantasy, you'll love it. Go and check it out. I will um I will recommend it again next week because they're with us for the whole month. Okay. Hell. Hell. <laughs> <laughs> so you appear in Elturel in yes. Avernus, the first layer of hell. Mm-hmm. And it's gone to
1: shit, basically. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's all fucked. You know, there's there's buildings falling down. There's fucking devils and demons in the streets. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: there's dead it's, everywhere.
1: It's it's the 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 previously nice companion which kept the place safe. It's now horrible and evil. And there's frequent earthquakes. I mean, it's it's a nice place for a holiday.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you're if you know what you're doing in hell, like if you know the best places to go and eat out and stuff like that, sure. Um, I yeah. I've got to say, I think for me, the fun part of the Elturel section, because I was I was itching, especially with my character being linked into the Hells. Uh, mm-hmm. It was an evil warlock whose patron was a a, a a devil. I was itching to get down on the surface, so a lot of the stuff that happened in Elturel was for for. Claf's point of view was for Uruvian and Drell. Yeah. Although he, he managed to get a lot from it. He managed to you know, make contacts and, and network, essentially, because that's all he does. The best bit was when <laughs> we had to get down from Elturel to Avernus, because it is literally floating yes. above the Blood War. And as, yeah, as a literally... lore goblin as well, oh my god. Like, standing on a city floating above the literal blood war, watching the river Styx flow, was incredible.
1: Yeah, the, the image that has stuck in my mind from your guys there was when you were going across um, the bridges. I think they're, like, called Torm's Bridges. Mm-hmm. And you, you, I think your character literally grabs Drell, who is, like, pe- petrified of heights. Yeah. And he's, like, forcing him to look down at, like, what's happening beneath. Um. And I just have this picture stuck in my mind of Kla'af, you know, doing that to Trell. and beneath them. On the one hand, you've got the chaotic, cancer-like forces of the demons and then the ordered regimented um, forces of the devils just fighting against each other underneath you. Mm. Mm. Um, Was there anything that you did
0: differently in Terrell? I know that we had Phoebe came in as a guest character for a little bit for like oh, th- yeah. two sessions that was a lot of fun um and i know that there was for us as characters there was that really interesting moment that we'll get to in a minute that i was like the turning point for Drell and
1: Cloud, yeah. like
0: the cemented their hatred for each other but was there anything <laughs> that you did differently
1: um the thing i did differently was you know how you rescued a lot of people yes a lot of those people you rescue you have to like do a lot of skill checks for and stuff and I think I made you guys do a couple of those, but I, I reduced the number of those um, because I really wanted this sense of you guys, like, we've got these survivors and we need to, you know, we need to protect them and do something. I didn't want them all just to, to die to a mm. roll of the dice, essentially. Yeah. Um, so that I was, like that. that was good. You, you
0: basically tied it to our actions rather than just our roles. Which is yeah. I think is a, a good thing to do in any D game, to be honest.
1: Yeah. Um other than that, the only other thing I did change massively was of course the uh, the event which I'm sure you're alluding to. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so we found <laughs> Older Guard, who of course is the Archduke of... Well, he's not an Archduke, he's the Grand Duke of Baldur's Gate. And yeah. that's a very that's a very fun thing as well. They mirror <gasps> the Dukes and the Grand Dukes of Baldur's Gate with the Archduke of Avernus. What, what are you going to say? I, I just remembered the
1: Narzagon as well. Oh, okay. Um, Do you want to talk about that you know, now? Yeah, I think it makes a bit more sense chronologically-wise. Um, but bas- basically, when you're out, there's this Narzagon, which is... You know, it is way too powerful for the players at this point. It's a type of devil. Yeah, the idea is you're meant to sort of like come up and see it once and it's gone. But I think I had it literally following and stalking you guys the entire time you were there. Oh my god, I remember... I remember the twist. before you,
0: before you get into the twist because the twist is perfect. But before we, because we didn't know what it was for a while, we just knew that it was mm. a scary like devil on a horse on a, was it was riding a nightmare.
1: Yeah, it's riding a nightmare. Lulu basically is like, look, well, you, if need you guys hide. go hide. Yeah.
0: yeah, and I remember us like going through the wreckages of houses and hiding like like do you know that scene from lord of the rings where the the hobbits are hiding underneath the the mound of earth as the ring race yeah. is like on on top it was like that we were ducked behind like under the window of this wrecked destroyed house and the Nazgul's riding down the street on his horse like on its nightmare like looking for us because it knows we're there and that happened multiple times and i think that that um continued appearance of the Nazagon made us afraid to leave the buildings in el and actually roam the streets which was very well done
1: yeah i think i even had it appear after you dealt with the stuff in the cathedral
0: yes so obviously you, did. You,
1: you head back out again and i just had it constantly on basically you. i think you. we did try
0: and fight it at one point and like like we were no. like running
1: away and slinging spells um, at it we didn't fight it, it was run d- on that was that was a different Narzagon, if I remember correctly. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. I don't know. It was so um, long ago. <laughs> it was like two years ago now. Yeah, you, you you fought you fought one whilst actually in Avernus rather than on El Oh yes, yes, I do remember yeah. that. Um, yeah. but the twist the twist I put in was the Narzagon was Aruvian's wife. Mm-hmm. Um, her soul basically stuck and now bound to the service of Zariel. Um down I mean she, that. I mean, the, his his wife had done
0: something incredible to be promoted to Nazagon pretty quickly, and
1: uh, pff, she she'd literally done nothing. She just been she'd been brought down, and then obviously she was Lima, and she'd gone through that way. But
0: you obviously she was a, one you of just it. being
1: a nasty DM way. Is that what it, you wanted to make us hurt? <laughs> I mean, you know, it was it was cool. Mm-hmm. It you was cool. it was
0: very very cool, especially when they when they met and they realised who they were. Yeah. Yeah, because Eruvian's story as well meant that he didn't look the way he should have looked. He had been uh, effectively permanently polymorphed.
1: Yeah, Um, he
0: had to go back to his house and, you know, see all the the pictures. The wreckage and and Yeah. 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 So we then did the chapel, we saved the people, we found Raven Guard, and they had a Hang on, hang on, hang
1: on. what do you mean you saved the people? Well, they didn't all die. <laughs> you didn't I mean, obviously... save the ones you rescued. No, the no, ones no we'll, already... we'll get to the that. The ones already in the cathedral were safe.
0: Okay, fine. We met the already safe people and we <sighs> took the ones that we tried to save down to the room that devils couldn't go in is that what it was i remember i remember so, it being a room the way it, that devils and demons couldn't get into
1: yeah so the, the way it works is you go into the cathedral and everybody is basically hiding in the crypts underneath mm. um under a secret passage and you guys you didn't get to the people that were hiding in a certain area of the crypt. you went to that room first which devils and demons couldn't cross i can't remember if i added that in i might have done not 100 percent sure so you but had a room obviously... that devils and demons couldn't get into because, and
0: it had a special artifact in it, was basically...
1: Yeah, it has, like, a special sword in there which was once wielded by, you know, a great hero of, of Elturel. Mm-hmm. And ov- obviously, you know, one of the things devils do is they seek out said artifacts. Um, yeah. I'm just trying to find... Are you trying to see page, if it's in the book? You know? Yeah. I mean, H H15... 15 oh no the, the way the way it actually works in the book is that any devil that enters the, the area is struck with intense pain giving them disadvantage i made it more fun by not having them be able to actually enter the room
0: and i agree that that was more fun 100 percent. because we yeah. we were in there the three of us the party i think four commoner type adults that we'd saved and like five commoner children there was like seven children oh god I, my brains tried to block it out because it was so horrific and Andrea and, Raya and, and Raya, Raya, Raya who was yeah the npc who had joined us who we were all fond of and we were cornered by a devil and hellhounds and it's this small room and he said give me the the sword the artifact or i'm gonna b- burn you all to the ground effectively
1: yeah he basically said give it me or you'll die and I mean, Enough. he didn't quite say it like that in the uh, no. the Mancunian accent,
0: but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it would have been it would have been not as terrifying if he'd done it that way. I um, must admit, but he but did. Yeah, yeah I did we we had a bit ag- ag- argument in character, not in player wise, about whether we give it over, and Jarrell decided not to. He took the the matter into his own hands, which of course caused the hellhounds to breathe fire. Which killed all of the adults and children. So then, yeah. Eruvian, manipulated by Clath, basically blamed Drell well, no. for the death of these oh, children.
1: The, the best bit about that entire thing was Drell did that. They all died. Ray was still alive and pissed. Yeah. But then he he carried on, which meant he yeah because we said again. stop.
0: Yeah, we said stop. Yeah.
1: you clearly that hasn't
0: worked. Look, you've just killed all these children, Drell.
1: Yeah, um, and, and Drell was
0: a character that went in neutral, and I think definitely yeah. came out a little bit evil. Whereas I went
1: in evil and came out just more evil. I mean, at at this point, yeah, I think by the end we can safely say he turned good.
0: Who me? Uh,
1: no, um, I was going to say. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of don't know.
0: <laughs> if, I don't know if he is good. I mean, that's a debate no, to he'd... have with Wesley.
1: Yeah, yeah, but I I think he'd he'd reached good alignment i think he's still neutral if anything
0: because he's made he made some very bad choices in hell because he had to yes but he made up think, for them. yeah but i think making up for them would put him back to where he started rather than better off anyway we can't get down this rabbit because we yeah. as we've talked about alignment before it's a massive debate but um so yeah the thing breathed again the hellhounds breathed again and uh killed Raya. yeah so it was just me, Wesley, and Grace's characters. Yeah. And uh, I think I manipulated... We gave them the sword, and I manipulated mm-hmm. Yeruvian and said, like, he's, he's causing us trouble. He's bad. He's, he's made poor decisions. He's just killed Raya. He's just killed these children. Like, that wasn't on us. That's on him. And I had the Shield of the Hidden Lord. Yeah. Which lets you fireball... Yep. And by the way, if you're worried about the Shield of the Hidden Lord giving them any advantages, uh, the players, <laughs> I mean, as soon as you get into hell, it's basically useless because it's for all fire. But um, yeah. in the early start of the campaign, it's very powerful in, in, in on the material plane. But yeah. yeah, so I fireballed him, killed him. Or so we thought, yeah. he thought, because he accepted bargain, bargain the deal of, death of the saves. devils. <laughs> yeah. Which is fantastic, and oh my god, if you're going into hell, let your players make deals with devils. Do it. I, yeah. I, I, I wish we'd kept track of how many we've made because we made a lot of deals. Um, yeah, I mean, there were a still lot of fun. To this, to this you
1: style. have the contract just, written out, don't you? Yeah, I literally made a point of writing that out, and you know, I literally put on like my little pit fiend hat and was like, right. Yeah, I need to make this fucking ironclad with not a single loophole in and away so it fucks him over as well.
0: So this is really important then because <sighs> this is a big part of devil culture, is deals. And if you're going to play this campaign, yeah. it's going to come up. So what advice do you have for DMs who are going to be putting deals in front of players to keep them true to the devils in the fact that they probably will fuck over the players, but also still fun like what is your your advice on writing those and and making them
1: right um you definitely have to allow room for negotiation um okay you know i would certainly say have it because if you definitely 100 percent know that a devil is going to offer them a deal have it wrote out in advance be very particular with wording because you know they they would be and you know, for example, this is one thing you, you didn't come across in the end, Ben. Mm. But in that final battle, you know when Gowgath signed that deal, agreeing to a two-hour grace period. Yes. Um, That included him. It didn't include you guys. Oh, that's incredible. So we
0: could have still fought.
1: That's yeah. fantastic. Um, yeah, that's good.
0: Well done. Yeah. Well done. That's um, very devilish. Oh, you are a <laughs> devil, James.
1: Yeah, you... And when and when you are doing you have to be thinking, you know, how how would they try and get one over, um, and to make it so they come out on top, but allow yeah. players chance to negotiate and notice those tricks, and to then be able to convince the devil to write them out to make the deal perhaps more um, favourable to them, fair, yeah. yeah.
0: I think um, that's good, and I almost feel like if you play the devil where if they like devils are always going to try and put those tricks and those loopholes in for themselves but i think if you have if your player notices them and and says oh hang on mr devil let's change this here let's rewrite this section here you know i don't like that i think if you play the devil as appreciating the fact that the, the player has found that the character has seen that and like uh, and yeah. having having that moment of respect for them for seeing it because that's like Oh, wow. Okay. Fair play. All right. You know your way around a contract. Okay. I think that gives a lot of fun to the
1: the whole interaction.
0: It's like a yeah, bit of wits. Is.
1: Yeah. Um, but uh, do be very specific with wording because that's how that's how they would try and catch you out a lot of the time. Mm-hmm.
0: So I'm just looking at how long we've been talking for. Let's talk about our travelling across Avernus in, in, in a whole. So you've already said that um there were two there's two parts as written and you mix them up. What's your advice Mm -hmm. on that? Because I know that we we were like, oh, where should we go? And then we we kind of just followed our plot hooks to go to places to explore and find what we could and and start putting the puzzle together.
1: Yeah, literally give them plot hooks, but have it so that um places in Avernus, it's not as simple as reading a map and going from A to B. Um, I had it so that distances changed. The players don't really have much way of a hundred percent knowing if they're going the right way, which was um, always interesting. Yeah, so sometimes it came down to dice rolls if they're going the right way. Sometimes I thought, hmm, it might be fun if they come across this thing and chuck those things in because if they do, just go down one of the paths, they're gonna they're gonna miss so much, you know, at the of the fun stuff like um i think i don't think you guys got there in the end you never got to like the mirror of mephistar and uh, speaking mm. of mephistopheles but that was you know oh, that would you want cool. to make yeah but what you, instead you guys did then accidentally then come across at one point was um or the the obelisk where you got zariel's hand yes um, you know that was that was completely out of that had no reason for you guys to go there if or to try and find it by the point you guys came across it um
0: so would no, you then definitely... put in a like a random not a random encounter table effectively but like a oh there's a this percentage chance that you're going to end up at somewhere else so that you can give them a chance to find different
1: locations yeah definitely you you just want them to come across as many because a lot of these places are so cool and have really cool things that happen there that mm if they don't come across them, the campaign's just not as fun. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I see that in a lot of campaigns, like Tomb, uh, Tomb of Annihilation's a lot like that. There's a lot of interesting places on that Hex Crawl, but the Hex Crawl is yeah. so big that you kind of almost want to move some of the places to put them in the path of your players if they don't come across those things naturally. Um, yeah. So it's kind of, and I think you kind of have the free reign to do that with the way travel works in Hell. So yeah. do it. Um definitely oh. i um have to say that our encounters around hell were a lot of fun um i want to touch on war machines infernal war machines because oh, i didn't yes. think i was gonna like them i've got to be honest i thought oh, vehicles like motorbikes and cars in D that doesn't <laughs> sound like my thing <laughs> holy shit they are so much fun yes the, the rarity of soul coins and how much that, you know, it's one soul coin for a whole day's worth of travel. Um, That sounds like, that doesn't sound like a lot. It is. Um, The the devil's ride, the motorbikes, I would say from a, as an experienced DM who played in this campaign as a player, I would say be willing to be loose with some of the mechanical rules of like action, um Action economy, like interact with object, that kind of thing. So the the rules around war machines seem a little bit confusing at first. But it, you start the vehicle, whatever it is, but you don't have to use an action to keep it going. It will keep moving yeah. in a straight line. You have to use an action to steer it, which means there is a opportunity for what Clav did a lot, where he would be riding his Devil Ride into battle. And would you know start start his turn using his action to get it going, and then on his subsequent turn, the Devil Ride would keep going, and he would you know summon his hexblade sword and start slashing at creatures as he drove past. Now, on a battle map, that's probably going to be a bit tricky to pull off, but in Theatre of the Mind and with the Rule of Cool, uh, it was it was some of the most. Interesting and fun combat I've ever had. Like literally, the Devil's Ride has a thing in the stat block to pull off a stunt. So being able to yeah. be like, oh, I'm going to use my uh, bonus action to stunt, do a wheelie, whip past this devil, cut him in half with my sword. uh You know, it was so
1: much fun. It was so good.
0: So yeah, be be that.
1: loose with it. Yeah, that is the key thing to fun with the war machines is be theater of the mind and be very loose on. On the rules and I'll let the players do cool shit with them, but at the same time, if you're running, let the devils do cool shit with them as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, oh, and and so and good. allow them
0: to um, edit them and uh change yeah. them around because you can change out the weaponry on them, and that's a lot of fun. Like I imagine a a, a years to come a clath who can just travel to and from the hells because he's his patron is now the, the Duke of Avernus. Yeah. Um and having his, his signature devil ride that's like painted red and the colours of Boulders cool. Gate and it has a flamethrower on the side and shit like that. Because like why not? Why the hell not?
1: Um Yeah the the yeah. image that sticks out in my mind the most, also there's two for the the Devil's Ride stuff. Mm-hmm. Was um a jumping from the Devil's Ride onto the back of a Hezru. Yes. Ah, uh, that was cool. But then the even better one was when you guys fired the the flare, um, and it was just yes. this image of this basically this fucking nuclear explosion behind you guys, and you guys just just about sort of just driving out of sort of like the blast zone. Yeah. So oh. we had
0: this item. Um, I can't remember what you called it. It was Asmodeus. It's as- it's the flare of As Asmodeus's wrath or something. Like That's that. the one. Yeah, and we knew that it was like we were told. I remember this as well with our campaigns being interconnected. That the de- the description was it will let off a blast that will be the re- the reverb the reverb of the re- what's yeah. the word I'm looking for the reverb the reverber- the,
1: the, the vibration vi- vibration sure I don't know yeah I don't know what word it, it's I'm looking fell for felt on the material felt
0: on the material plane yeah um and I remember the week that we set that off we were being chased like we were proper mad max we were in our um our big four by four demon grinder at the head of a pack being chased by like scores and scores of other vehicles
1: yeah you'd uh, you'd literally had a small sort of like flotilla if you picture it as like you know hell's navy kind of thing of zariel's devil's rides and stuff do come and fuck you up because she was sick of you causing problems
0: yeah and so we um, were driving away and
1: we were like oh now's
0: the time to use this this
1: device you know i've you know i'd had this whole chase scene planned out i'd forgotten they had this thing yeah and ben was like oh i've got this
0: <laughs> that's that's a typical dm story yeah. i forgot
1: i've given them uh, something so we let the phone well, no, off I'm, and I'm obviously gl- i'm so glad i forgot
0: but it's like the image in my brain is is proper like Mad Max, but red and devilish. The flare, yeah. this red red flare going up in the air, and then just explosions coming down from the sky. And I think we even leaped off of a cliff to get away from you it because we also you did. we you had we had the um the teleporter uh yeah. device in as well, so we could teleport the demon grinder, which is like a big four by four, three hundred feet in any direction. So grace was driving and she was ready to pull the lever to teleport us there was a cliff upcoming and i was there with the flare so we leaped off of the cliff i shot the flare and then as we're falling through the air like gonna like plummet to our deaths grace pulls the lever and we teleport 300 feet forward and hit the ground on the opposite side and then there's all these explosions
1: yeah or practically speaking though i've just remembered a good point about uh war machines and, mm-hmm. and if you're running the game do be loose with the terrain if your players ask is there a hill or a cliff coming up say yes yes just yeah. say yes because it of is, course it's even gonna be cool because they pull it off or funny because they fuck it up
0: yeah and that's and that <laughs> yeah and that's perfect it's so good yeah if you're in a chase and they're asking for a jump give them a jump um yeah but yeah, and I then remember the next the next week or the next day when we then played our Waterdeep campaign, there was an earthquake and like yeah. sections of the field ward collapsed and people's yeah um like the 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 town was just ruined and there was like the slums became even more slummier because we'd set off this flare in in Avernus. It was so good.
1: So good. Yeah. Well, one um, of the one of the things I almost put in for the final battle. Mm-hmm. Um when when he appears i was gonna have him just doing it for fuck's sake and just fire off like five of these and just <laughs> ball the
0: demons. oh god oh, that would have been um, that would have been overkill but before we yeah. get to the the final battle some some honorable mentions then um if you are playing with people who have been playing in DD for a long time um absolutely used tiamat that was some of the best stuff ever having being able to communicate to tiamat via archon the crawl who has the hand of Vecna, man seeing that in a game with my character talking to him champion of a god to champion of a god and then you know having her come and break the chains of el was incredible so use yeah. tiamat absolutely um use the demon lords we'll talk a bit about those in the final battle in a minute um especially castici because he's there uh they're there i guess um yeah i don't know what else uh if you can somehow ha- let the player if the players come up with a way to weaponize the water of the strict stri- uh, river sticks let them, yeah. let them do it because that's great fun and it, there was a clench moment when we were like about to die and by dropping the water of the sticks on a creature it like turned the tide in battle for us
1: yeah so they... that, oh, i fucking remember that and i remember rolling that save and then failing and they had uh-huh. advantage as well and they failed and it was like shit
0: yeah <laughs> i up. really i was like i knew that if, I did, if you had passed that save class would have died as well so that was yeah. a big one so let them do that um yeah, the, the, the adventure mission, not adventure, the mission where Claf was in like the submersible underneath the river, in the river. Oh, that was so And weird. the demons were coming and ripping it open
1: and like he was no, thinking no, the they river were, was about to pour they, in. They were damaging the crane.
0: Oh, yes, yeah, so if it was going to drop been, and it wouldn't
1: be able to you, get you, out. No, you were in there. You had no idea. Claf had no idea what was going on and had all the things holding it been broke, you'd have been stuck down there. Yeah. So he was in like a like a pod. Yeah. that was
0: sealed up and the crane put him over the edge and dropped him into the sticks and because he's in the pod he's not touching the water he's okay and so he's there using the pod like robot arms to like collect well I can't remember what you, I was collecting you're
1: so, you are you were sucking up souls from the bottom of the sticks oh
0: yeah from the bottom of the sticks yeah so he's sucking up souls and he's like do, 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 do sucking up souls do, do, do. Um, yeah. and then the other two party members are fighting off the demons who are breaking the chains I think they broke all but one of them
1: yeah they were so lucky like and and that is
0: that was the perfect time for meta knowledge but because i always say we should use meta knowledge the way we use dramatic irony ben as the player was like freaking out but and every time it got to my turn in combat i was like i'm just gonna use my action to suck up some souls (laughs) (laughs) like it was great it was so much fun but i'm there like sweating bricks Um, yeah yeah okay let's let's talk about the final battle then so before we go anywhere with this, uh you can either revive um not revive, you can redeem Zariel or you can fight Zariel and kill her. And yes. all the way through our campaign, um Lulu, God rest her soul, died at one point and she asked us to promise to redeem Zariel. Me being an evil character, use some very and a devil in himself, used some very clever wording so that he didn't promise to do that and basically had drell locked into contract and euruvian outvoted because of it to kill zariel because his thing was we're going to take back avernus me and galgath the hidden lord take back avernus yeah. with force and gain the respect of Asmodius and everyone by doing it right that was his plan yeah so all the way through we built up to that to the point where we got zariel's sword we gave it to galgath now
1: you said in the book
0: that it's written that the sword is the only way to redeem her is that right? Yes,
1: that is that is right. If you do not have the sword, because you you could because you don't have that angelic spark, she's fucked. Mm. Mm. <laughs> and um,
0: you—that's ch- something you changed.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I knew because Drell was bound in that contract. I was like ninety nine percent sure that Thought we were going to fight. That Galgath was going to get the sword, and he. You know the bit I added in was him corrupting it and making it into the blood of Avernus, mm. um, and that would normally mean it's fight time. But obviously, th- I'd added the hand thing in as a way to explain a why she loses the fucking sword in the first place. Yeah, um, she gets a hand cut off. Yeah, she gets a hand cut off, which is actually what leads to her falling and you know pledging allegiance. And that hand, I decided. You know what? That is going to contain. You know, it's not as strong as an angelic spark as the one in the sword. You know, the players aren't going to grab it and turn it into a freaking angel. Mm. Um, but it's the it's it's enough in there that if the players sufficiently persuade her and you know say the right things, um, you know they did the whole thing with Lulu, that it yeah. was just enough to pull her back from that brink.
0: So. Th- we you allowed them to use their player agency to to Adrell uh, was using major illusion to uh, show the last mo the last conversation with Lulu and yeah because she sacrificed herself for a unicorn the fool um and uh in that with the hand and with Lulu's hair. You, they were able to redeem her so long story short that's the way it went but we didn't think it was yeah. going to go that way so no. we we had a whole session where we were the final session in the front lines of the blood war fighting yeah. demons and I think our kill count for demon lords was 3 um because we had Kastichi
1: yeah Bahama. Like Kastichi and Yinogu and um, younogu, yeah, yeah, I think you guys technically got the killing blow on I think it Yenogu. was was it you or was it Bahamut? no, I think it was Yinogu because uh
0: messed me up in the flashback, and I was like, yeah, yeah, payback time, yeah,
1: yeah, so yeah, so Yenogu, um you guys killed them, the others obviously, I literally had you guys fighting side by side with Zariel and Gargalf. Um, Galgarth is you know unleashed with this new blade of avernus um yeah which was good fun (laughs) and in that fight was
0: molten at that point molten without saying who he was um because i imagine without giving anything away i imagine it's kind of like the agents in the matrix and they the guy kind of just like takes over the body
1: no, so the, the okay. Multum you you met at the end at first was the Multum. He was... Okay, cool. You know, he's the one you saw in the flashback that came mm-hmm. in with Zariel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was... Which is why he was, like, you know... He didn't, like, immediately recognise you guys when he called you over, because... Yes, because it was a different yeah. person. I didn't pick up
0: mm-hmm. on that at the time. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, okay. nobody so did. So we were we were in a fight with on the front lines and obviously our intention is get to zariel Gankovich. right that was yeah. the plan in simple yeah. terms but and and we had like the war camp the night before and we built up to it it was amazing it was incredible there was the whole war machines being attacked by her flying vessels in the sky which are very cool they're like the single line of the monster m from the can yeah. from the drink monster so cool um then we got to her, then the demon lords came, and we had to have truce with her, like you mentioned it earlier, so that we could kill the demon lords, so we did that.
1: Yeah. And then... I just want to make something clearer as well. Like, Go on. Th- the reason that happened was because of stuff you guys did. Um, okay. So, like, you destroying that flotilla she sent meant she wasn't as able to quite hold them back as well, which meant they pushed out. You guys doing the Tiamat thing early meant the demons pushed out even further, and you didn't deal with... um. I can never say his name, like fucking Krokatoek. Krokatoek, yeah. Yeah, you didn't deal with Krokotoic. and it was that little storm of things you did or hadn't done that meant that, you know what, they've pushed in far enough now that Yinogu and Bahamut have now you know they've both come in to fuck shit up yeah and we have to work together
0: otherwise everything is gonna die here on this battlefield and i've got to say as well like i've got the art of i mean if you've been on the we speak common instagram you've seen my my set up and my set as it were i've got the art of the blood war from this book with with eltero hanging above on my wall here and all the way through that session during that that blood war section i was looking at that Art and I like I can imagine seeing Clath and Eruvian and Drell like in that image. It was so incredible. Like I felt like we were on the front lines. Um, yeah. But then there was a big twist. The big twist that you put in, and I'm assuming <laughs> yeah. you you've added this
1: to of the whole side. Of, of course, I added him in. <laughs>
0: So Klaaf is, of course, obsessed with the Hells and, um, and the Hidden Lord and wants to, wants to put the Hidden Lord in charge of Avernus and he'll be in charge of Baldur's Gain. Together they'll rule as twinned, twinned planes and essentially extend their, their control uh, uh, amongst the Hells and among the, the material plane. But his true goal is to be the right-hand man of the god of all devils, the trickster himself, Asmodeus. Um, of course he has no contact with them and he knows nothing about them and all the way through we'd been meeting Maltem this fucking cocky dick of a wizard i think i i thought he was a wizard all the way through yeah you did and i kept saying to you who is he who is Maltem? who is this guy why does he keep up how come we've seen him die three times now like who is he oh. and i remember you saying and, I, and if, if someone can if you've listened to all of these episodes podcast there'll be a point where you can go back and i have a conversation in an episode where with, with joe where joe says james told me who Maltem is and, yeah. I, and i'm yeah, furious dude. i'm furious in that episode and i'm just i like, i can i if you want to go back and get a sense for how i felt it's in one of the, i don't know what episode uh. it is but in one of them and right at the last moment after seeing him die for the third time on the battlefield Maltem reappears. And I was like, I literally, I went, what? I went, I don't understand. What? (laughs) And then it all made sense. And in the last moment, and I'm so glad I got it right at the last moment. I'm glad I worked it out right before you told me who he was. Right at the last moment, he said something or he did something. And I just went, oh God, no. Because all (laughs) the way through. Clath had been rude, had been disrespectful, had treated him like a piece of scum on the floor, and it turned out the molten was Asmodeus the whole time.
1: Not, not in every case. Not, not quite the whole time. Um, like but a lot of the time. The, there was a way of telling, and it was, it was the cane.
0: When he had um, the cane, he was Asmodeus.
1: Yes. Yeah. Um, but to be fair, it makes you so only much met, sense. You only met, like, actual Walton, like, twice. Yeah. Um, I think one of those was just, like, literally in passing. He was, like, leaving, like, Mahadi's or something. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that rings a bell. But no, I, I knew from the moment you guys got in the hells, I wanted to put him in. And. <sighs> it was expertly done, my friend. Yeah, I just. <sighs> I was. Like, I want to put him in, and I want him to, to not just be, like, immediately, like, terrifying when you meet him. I want it to be, you know, this mystery. And then I just had him be, like, you know, he's just bored.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> he's bored. He's just enjoying he the fun of fun. it. Yeah. Enjoying the um, chaos a little bit too much. You
1: know, I was, I was going a little bit for that Crowley vibe, hence why he was in, like, you know, a three-piece suit type thing. Yeah. And,
0: yeah. Yeah. I've got to oh. say um i this is the point where i wish we had like recorded all of our episodes so i could go back our episodes our sessions so i could go back and listen to the times we interacted with multum and see now yeah. knowing who he was because that would be incredible but there you go um that's you can't do that in a home game but it was incredibly well done and then of course um he gives he basically uses his power to put a hold to the fighting and lets euruvian and drell try and redeem Zariel unfortunately for me they were successful because i was hoping we were gonna fight zariel with because i know you have that mythic level stat block for her as well with mythic actions and i was very excited but it didn't happen i don't think we would have survived i don't think we would have pulled it off well
1: that's Um, so that's part of the reason you know the demon lords were fighting her
0: you know i didn't want to
1: to turn up and fight fucking full power zariel you would have no chance um, yeah, but you know, I was carefully tracking her hit, her uh, hit points and stuff, just in yeah. case it did come to the fight. Um, I think that's good advice. Yeah. I think you should
0: absolutely do that as a DM. Yeah. Um, because uh, at, at level thirteen, there's no way it normal Zariel is going to be tough, a tough fight at at level thirteen. So, um, I don't think you're meant to be able. Like, I don't. It doesn't feel like fighting her is meant to be the option you seek out. I think you're meant no, to go into not. this this game. <laughs> yeah being being like good heroes who are put pushed to the limits and to see whether they're corrupted and then try and redeem her
1: yeah you've got that's the vibe i get redeem is ideal but if it does come to where you need to fight her the idea is you you basically get some big motherfucker on your side um Mm. whether that's castici bell or somebody else like that the idea is you get them on your side and it's with their (laughs) backing or to manage with their backing you can actually do something about Zariel. Mm. It's a lot of fun. I would love to have fought her,
0: but all in all, the ending of our campaign was very good and oh. looking at I think I I said to Sam he was because he listened in, obviously we we did the live live stream of it on our Discord server, yeah. but the he, we were chatting afterwards and I said the the, from the moment of camp, of of session one, Claf was getting everything he wanted all the way. He was smarming his way through everything. He was pulling yeah. up everything he wanted off. So in the last session, to want to fight Zariel, win over the uh, Avernus for Gargalf in in power and respect, and to want to impress Asmodius and to have neither of those things happen, and actually have Asmodius bored of him was like perfect because he still got what he wanted gargaff is still now the archduke and he is still now a duke of boulder's gate he has achieved his goal for the campaign but he has more to do now and he has a he has like the want to still go and do that so yeah it was very well done
1: it was good fun do you want do you know what the plan was for the the final thing the fight
2: yeah
1: Mm -hmm. um as is basically going to um Use the ruins of Alterel, the ruins of the buildings, and he was gonna make like a fucking colosseum style arena. He was oh. gonna be, he was gonna be sat in like you know the fucking box. He was gonna make every, every other shit. fucking, make every other fucking devil sit there and watch this fucking showdown. Um, that would have been so cool, man. <sighs> that would have been so cool. Yeah, because I was like. I want them if I want them if they do fight Zariel to be like minimal outside complications, because mm-hmm. um, I just want it to be focused on that. Uh, but we never got there. <laughs> <laughs> it's a shame, but we did have an incredible,
0: incredible end anyway. And I don't think you should have forced it either way. So I think because I think no. it worked out the
1: way it worked I, out very well. I was I was literally saying to people in the chat like, you know, I very much want them to fight her, but if it if it comes to it and they do redeem her. I, you know i'm happy as long as they win mm. um yeah and that was my that was my attitude the whole way through the campaign i'm and happy I think as long as they they
0: win that's an amazing <laughs> s- sentiment and that is what you should take away if any dm should take away because it's about it's about having that group sh- storytelling experience right and that's such a core cool part of it um yeah james we have talked for nearly an hour and a half um so I think we should start to wrap up here. Yes, um, and we should we should do that by first of all saying our favourite parts of the campaign each, and then giving our final, last piece of advice. So, yeah. do you have a favourite part of the campaign?
1: Oh, it's it's so hard to pick just one, but mm. I'm going to cheat and pick two. Tormenting okay. you with the appearance of Maltem multiple, multiple yep. times is just so much fun. Yeah. And the the dream sequences I did that time, yes,
0: yes, of the the actual fighting at Eltharil back in the day before it. No,
1: fell. the no, the the when you guys had oh, the rest when of you
0: us. you you had our, um, you you used our fears against us. Yeah,
1: I never did yes. explain what that was to you guys, but you know.
0: Happened there <laughs> yeah and, uh, and there needs to be some secrets i suppose um yeah. yes i think if you you had us give give you three fears for our characters and you use them very yeah. very expertly so yeah that's great um for me seeing as you did too the um not a moment but in all the the kind of the the D core experiences i had in this campaign you know seeing the blood war fighting in it um yeah. talking to tiamat meeting asmodeus like all of those kind of like lore junkie moments yeah uh, were were big moments for me but my i think my favorite moment would be from a character point of view when i freed galgath from the yes. shield and i achieved the 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 goal that i'd had since session one the core character cornerstone freeing him from the shield and and taking that step into becoming his champion was a a character cementing moment for me yeah that was i did really enjoy the whole gal thing as well Mm -hmm. final piece of advice james what you got for people running the campaign
1: just just literally just have go crazy because the entire campaign, it needs crazy to make it um not just a horrible fucking drudgery of sadness. Go crazy.
0: Mm. Mm. <sighs> oh. For me, it would be to embrace the non-D sides of it. So embrace the war machines and their their like non-fantasy side. Embrace yeah. the like that Mad Max kind of vibe. Embrace the the devil demon dealing contracty kind of stuff because it adds some unique stuff to to this campaign and, and on a level of that i think like we always play music when we're playing dnd right and we use yeah. standard sort of dnd playlists for us if we were having a f- if we were battling and it was a big battle that basically the soundtrack for the whole of the final session when we were fighting the blood war and when we were fighting when we were riding the the war machines against others was all heavy metal music oh my god incredible Ugh. scene setter for avernus
1: use it yeah fucking the metallica just kept coming through mm-hmm. um, i think it was always it always happened at it, like the perfect moment as well it yeah, wasn't planned thought- it just happened For whom the bell tolls as well. That came
0: on. Yeah, that playlist is fantastic. It's on it's on Spotify. Just search DD or search descent into Avernus, and it's the one that's all heavy metal music. It's so good. I don't know who made it, but it's fantastic. Okay, we've talked for an hour and a half. Let's wrap up here. It's been a long session. Um, James, for the last time, my friend, put Descent into Avernus onto your bookshelf and know that you have done a Stella, fantastic job running that campaign um, thank you thank you because it has been oh. probably I, i'm gonna say it i think it might be my favorite campaign i've played in yes so, <laughs> there you go um, let's see who can top that with the future that comes uh, if you're listening to this if you've got through an hour and a half thank you for sticking with us it's been a long one I hope there's been tips and tricks and things you can use from this episode to take away if you're running Descent and if not I hope you've just enjoyed hearing us talk about what is an incredible d adventure if you want more We Speak Common of course uh, we are online on Twitter on Instagram we're at We Speak Common we're on YouTube We Speak Common is what you need to search for Amaral Facebook We Speak Common pod um, if you want to get more more dnd and more we speak common stuff in your life then patreon is the way to go of course you don't have to support us that way if you don't want to this is free internet content but if you do want to do that there's a link below it's on the twitter too and it gives you access to the we speak common server where we are talking about dnd all the time james is there so if you had some dissent questions you could at him and talk to him there i'm sure you'd love to chat away james
1: yes when, when i eventually get get round to it in between work <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but i'll be there
0: too as is wesley and we've of course played in it and hey you never know we might we might live stream some of our other games uh or sessions in the server in the future too because it went down quite a storm um but otherwise the best thing you can do is share us with a friend or your dnd group and keep playing D. have a wonderful time doing that james we actually are going to be doing that in about f- 45 minutes 35 45 minutes sure.
1: I need to have something to eat and just double check I've prepped everything (laughs) Well my friend, go then, leave Be gone, (laughs) go and do that
0: um, I'm going to go and set up my play zone and I'm going to get a drink and uh, get some food too Um, Thank you for joining me, thank you for chatting for an hour and a half and thank you for running an amazing campaign You're the best, I love you and I will speak to you again soon See ya Thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, do us a favour and share us with a friend or a D&D group near you. If you'd like to directly support We Speak Common, you can by heading to the links in the description, either on this episode or via our social medias, to find our Patreon. It's the best way to directly support the production of more shows like the one you listened to today. You can connect with the show on Twitter and Instagram at WeSpeedCommon. The music in the episode is Street Dancing by TimeCrawler82 and is held under a Creative Commons 4.0 licence. You can find it on the Free Music Archive.